Hey guys, my name is Danny. I just want to welcome you to Swerve Church Online. I'm the lead pastor of Swerve Church. If we had to have, if we haven't had the chance to meet just yet, and I'm really excited to be able to come with you and to be able to dig into God's word. Now, listen, I know that there's a lot going on in our world, in our nation, in our city, in our country, every everywhere, all around us. There's lots going on, but I just wanted to encourage you with these words, and that is that God is not worked up in a frenzy okay god is not in the corner biting his fingernails all right curled up in a ball crying mommy right he doesn't he's, he's not scared of what's going on so i just want you to know and i want you to take encouragement uh in that that god is with us definitely it's wise to use precaution i want you to listen to authorities uh, that's super important listen to the news and and just listen to those that god is placing authority over us as they only desire what's best uh, for us definitely use precaution and wisdom uh, but i also want to encourage you with this and that is don't stop doing community just because we can't get together in person doesn't mean that we cannot stop getting together in other mediums in other ways just like this and getting online and streaming video uh, church online and such so we can still continue to build relationships we can still continue uh, to get together virtually through these means so let me just encourage you guys with those words now we've been in a series going through the book of daniel as a church and it's been a great series we've been answering the question or looking at the question or trying to tackle the question about how do we stand firm in a culture that's constantly pulling us away from being faithful so how do we remain faithful in, in these times in, in the world that we're living in and today we have a lot to read there's a lot of bible that we're going to be reading i'm not going to waste any time so grab your bible uh, to make this work the best ways for you to go ahead and get a get a bible or the bible app so you can follow along get a pen and paper so you can take notes make sure you turn off notifications so that you can focus in on what we're talking about today so before we open up the bible let's spend a moment and pray God, there's so much going on in the world, in our, in our day. Uh, God, there's just so many fears, so much to be anxious about. Uh, but God, I just pray that at this moment, we'd be able to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. And God, that we would take a, a moment to pause and to open up the Bible. God, that we may glean some hope from the scriptures. Would you speak to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's begin by looking at Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 8 through 12. And here's what it says. Some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. And it talks about the Chaldeans and basically uh, those were in general talking about the Babylonians, which uh, had the Jews uh, under captivity. Uh, but specifically in this verse, uh, the Chaldeans were specifically those scholars, those astrologers, those wise men that were serving alongside of Daniel and his friends to serve the king. So specifically these guys in this verse, it says that they maliciously, they, they, they came forward, they took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse uh, the Jews. They wanted to bring about some persecution. This was a form of hatred against the Jews. You could even say maybe, uh, being that these were the men specifically serving the king, that there was some form of jealousy and hatred uh, towards them. And it says that they came to accuse them. What's interesting that the Bible calls uh, our spiritual enemy, Satan, the accuser. And what these guys are doing are, are, is quite frankly demonic. What they're doing is bringing up these accusations maliciously against the men of God, against Daniel and, and his friends specifically, as we'll continue to read. Look at what it says, verse 9. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Now somebody go grab the biscuits and the pancake because there's a lot of buttering going on right here, right? Beware of people that want to butter you up before they say something. Because uh, more likely than not, uh, they don't care too much about you. They just want to get something from you. And that's what's going on here. Verse 10. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, 
flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. This is the decree that King Nebuchadnezzar uh, had declared that everybody had to stop what they were doing whenever they heard the sound of the music, and they had to bow down to worship this false pagan statue, false pagan god. Verse 11, whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. This is the punishment. This is the corporal punishment that the king had assigned to anybody who would disobey his order. This is what they were doing to, to them at this time. Verse 12, there are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon. And he goes on to name them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Now these men had made a decision in their minds, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a decision that they were not going to bow and worship the false god, the pagan god, or this statue, or submit to the king's decrees. They made this decision. And this actually brings us to a number one in your notes. You can write this down if you're taking notes today. And that is that you have a decision to make. Let me ask you a question. Who will you bow a knee to? You know, we've mentioned this over the past few weeks, that there are many false gods that many of us submit to, sacrifice, and give to. For example, the false god of, of money, or the false god of sex, or, or pleasure, or success, or security, or, or the false god of self. But the truth of the matter is this, and that is that there is only one true God. And these young men made the decision that they were only going to submit to the one true God. They would not bow a knee. And that same decision we have to make, you and me, we have that decision to make. But let me make it clear, the Bible says that no matter what decision you make, the Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And no matter what decision you make, eventually that's something that we're all going to claim. Now for Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, those were the free names. Uh, you know them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, their decision was to worship the one true God and no one else. Now if we continue reading uh, verses 13 to 15, uh, we, we read that the king is enraged, he's outraged by this announcement, knowing that these guys are blatantly disobeying uh, him. And he gets so upset that he goes and he confronts them. And in fact, he says this in the last part of verse 15. I thought this was interesting. I really wanted to read it uh, with you guys. And it says this, he makes this, this claim. He says this to the, to the young men. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? You see, the greatest God in the king's mind was not the statue he made or the pagan gods that he worshipped. The greatest God in the king's mind was himself. It was all about his might. It was about his kingdom. It was about his power. And he was coming to these guys saying, well, who is your God and how is he going to save you from me? Now let's continue to read verse 16 to 18. It says this. And, and in these verses, we're going to read some of the biggest, the boldest, the baddest, the most faith-filled statements, in my opinion, that you will read in the entire Bible. Every time I read these verses, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up as we read the boldness of the response of these young men. Let's read it. Here's what it says. Verse 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. In other words, he's saying, you're asking us a question. We don't, we don't need to give you an answer. We don't need to respond to you. Here's what it says, verse 17. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And then get this, not only save us from the fire, 
and he can rescue us from the power of you, king. In other words, the God that we serve, King Nebuchadnezzar, is greater than you. He's bigger than you. He's more powerful than you. And he can rescue us not only from the flames, but he can rescue us from you as well. Verse 18, but even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. Guys, this is bold. Their response is bold. They say, God, we know you can come through. You can deliver us from the fire. You can deliver us from the flames. You can deliver us from the king. But even if he chooses not to, we're still not going to bow knee to this false god. You can write this down, number two in your notes. We will worship God as king no matter what. We will worship God as king no matter what. And let me ask you guys a question. Why do you trust God? Why do you have faith in God? Do you have trust in God and do you have faith in Him for what He can do for you? You see, maybe you're watching this or listening to this and you have a warped view of God. You know, to you, maybe God is kind of like a genie in a bottle. He's kind of like Aladdin's genie. And to you, you have this view of God where if you rub your lamp, God's supposed to magically and, and mystically show up and grant you your three wishes and do whatever it is that you want Him to do. Now, there's a problem with that faulty thinking. And that is that if you can get God to do whatever you want Him to do, then that makes your God too small. That also places God off of the throne and puts you in His place. And that's the problem with this faulty thinking. Another wrong thing with this thinking is that if, if things don't go your way, if you don't get what you want, then you're quick to abandon Him. Right? Because you're not getting what you want. You're not getting the desires of your heart or whatever it is that you're asking Him. And if He chooses not to give it to you, then you're quick to fall away. You're quick to abandon. Now for these young men, they made a decision and their decision was to trust God no matter what. No matter the outcome, they were going to trust God anyway. Whether God would choose to deliver them through the fire or not, they were going to choose to trust God anyway. Let's continue reading what happens. Verse 19 to 23, it says this. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage. Of course, his ego, his pride was attacked by their response. And the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. In other words, what he told them was to raise the fire to the absolute maximum level is what he told them to do. And he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw the men in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. So they decided to tie them up and with their clothes, with their everything, everything that they had on, just throw them in the fire bound to make sure that there was no opportunity for them to escape from the fire. Now check this out. Look at verse 22. It says, Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. The flames were so uh, uh, hot and it was so strong that it actually killed uh, the men that the king has sent to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 23, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. And that brings us to our next point. You can write this down. Number three, difficulty, hardship, and persecution are a given. Difficulty, hardship, and persecution are a given. Let me ask you guys another question. Do you seek God and do you follow Jesus just so that you can try to attempt to have a worry-free life? 
You see, guys, here's the truth. Following Jesus does not mean a pain-free life. In fact, you can even make the argument that if everything is going okay and if your world, if everything is fine in your world and there's money in the bank and you have no stress and no worry, then maybe you're not following Jesus closely enough. You see, these men did everything right. They were obedient to God. They chose God over the king. They said the right words. They made the bold statements. But they were still thrown into the fiery furnace. Even though they were obedient to God, these, were, these men were still sent to the furnace. And here's the decision they made. They said that they were going to trust God with the outcome, good or bad. And at this moment, as we read these verses, things are not good. Things are bad as they're being thrown into the fiery furnace. But they choose to trust God no matter what. And look at what it says, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. This is after they threw him into the furnace. Remember, bound these three men. The king is surprised. He saw something. And he said to the advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty. Uh, they replied to the king. In verse 25, he exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. They had thrown three men, uh, but all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar notices that there's four in there in the fiery furnace. And this is probably one of the most important things that you can write down and jot down and remember today. Write this down, number four in your notes. That is that God is present through the fire. God is present through the fire. Now guys, isn't it interesting? Uh, you know, some scholars, uh, some scholars argue, we don't really quite understand and know. Some scholars argue that this may have been a pre-incarnate Christ uh, that is shown in the Old Testament, a glimpse of Jesus that was to come in the New Testament. We see a glimpse of him here in the Old Testament. Other scholars believe that perhaps uh, it was an angel. But no matter what you think or who you think was there, one thing we know for sure, and that is that God was present in the middle of it, protecting them, taking care of them. Now, isn't it interesting? God, if he wanted to, could have prevented the men from being thrown into the furnace. If God wanted to, he could have done a million other things to keep them from getting into the furnace. Isn't that right? If he wanted, he could have changed Nebuchadnezzar's mind. He could have had a plague show up. He could have made it, make it rain so hard that it would quench the flames. But he chose not to. God did not. God did not prevent the men from throwing into fire. And that's important for us to know that no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what hardships you're facing, no matter what difficulties you're facing right now in this moment, and no matter what uncertainty you're facing, there's one thing that is certain, and that is that Christ is present. Jesus is present in the middle of your hardship, in the middle of your difficulty, in the middle of your trial. Whatever you're going through, Christ is present. And that's why Jesus said these words in John chapter 16, verse 33. And I would love for you guys to read this verse out loud with me, wherever you're watching this. If you're watching it at home, on the sofa, if you're streaming it on your phone, if you're sitting on the toilet, you know, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, read this verse out loud with me. It's the last part of John chapter 16, verse 33. These are the words of Jesus. He said this, you will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. It's the promise that we have in scriptures. That God is with us, Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus Christ is present no matter the hardship, no matter the difficulty. The Bible says that He will never leave you, He will never forsake you, and He is with you even in these trying moments, even in the difficulty. God is present. If you continue to read uh, Daniel uh, chapter 3, you'll, you'll go on to read and see how God actually miraculously delivered these men from the fire. 
In fact, you'll see that not even one hair was singed on, on these three men. Their clothes did not burn, and, and there was not even a smell of burn on their clothing or on their flesh. And it was such an amazing miracle. God had delivered them, listen, not from the fire, but through the fire. God delivered them, and it was so impactful to King Nebuchadnezzar that he actually signs a decree. And he says this is the last part of verse 29. This is part of the decree that King Nebuchadnezzar made. He said, for there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Let me encourage you guys right now that there is no other God that can deliver you in a time, in a moment, in a hardship, in a difficulty, just like this right now. And it's so important for us to know now listen, I want to connect this for you guys to something that's been available, made available to each and every single one of us. You see, our spiritual enemy, he's known as the accuser in the Bible. He holds sin over our heads. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. In other words, our sin, because of our sin, we deserve the fiery furnace. But it's amazing that God, out of his immense love for us, sends Jesus, who enters the furnace, who enters our furnace, and he protects us from the effects of the flame. And Jesus dies in our place. And the Bible says that it is through his death that we can experience the forgiveness of sin. But then as they take him off the, off the cross and they put his lifeless body in the tomb, the Bible says that by the power of God and the Holy Spirit, he conquers the grave. He conquers Satan's sin and death and he raises from the grave. And it is in his death that we experience the forgiveness of sin. And it is in his resurrected life that we too can be made a new creation and experience new life. And the Bible says that all you have to do to experience this newness of life is to put your faith in him. Have you made that decision today? If you haven't, then I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to make a decision to put your faith in Him today. Let's pray. Uh, God, for everybody that's tuning in, everybody that's streaming, everybody that's re-watching uh, this, God, we all have a decision to make. Uh, Lord, and I pray that you would help us to make that decision. And God, that it would be a decision to trust you no matter what. God, that we would worship God as king no matter what. Not just for the benefits, not just for the good times, but God, that we would trust you even through the difficult times. Lord, we know difficulty, hardship, persecution, uh, a, a famine, sickness. Lord, these things are given, uh, God. But we know that you are present. You are present through the fire. And God, I just pray you would give us a reminder of that this morning. Remind us, God, how you are present in the middle of the fire. God, I pray that you would help increase our faith and trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.